Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Big money has reshaped the collegiate sports landscape, and the University of Central Florida is stepping up to the Big 12 Conference. In this episode, Orlando Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Sean McCrory welcomes UCF Director of Broadcasting Mark Daniels to learn more about the economic impact of this move on Central Florida. Well, thanks for joining us, Mark. Your appearance on our podcast today comes at one of the most exciting and transformational junctures for UCF athletics. As the school joins the Big 12 Conference, UCF had the good fortune that its football program was performing at a high level when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave the Big 12, helping the university stand out as an expansion candidate. Beyond that good fortune, though, what are some of the subtler, more forward-looking investments and decisions made by UCF leadership in the past that set the stage for this? You know, it's interesting. UCF is uh, the youngest Power 5 school in the country, and it takes the vision of people many years ago as UCF first came as a uh, university to kind of see the role that athletics could play. And I think those that came before uh, President Hitt, uh, who served so long at UCF before he recently passed, he had a vision on how athletics could help the university grow and uh, invested in football, saw the opportunity where you can go Division One and bring UCF's uh, name to the forefront. And it took a number of other special donors. Wayne Dench obviously was a very important person. Guys like Dick Nunes, the great Disney executive, David Albertson, uh, Jerry Roth, and those individuals that saw that UCF athletics and football could be something to help the community grow. They were right and led to laying the foundation for what became an opportunity for the football program to have success and establish itself before all the big things would come on the horizon. Well, speaking of laying the foundation, let's start with the stadium. FBC Mortgage Stadium was unveiled over 15 years ago at a comparatively inexpensive price tag of about 55 to $57 million, which brought some criticism at the time, especially from rival schools. Looking back, how important was it to have a stadium on campus versus playing out of the then Citrus Bowl? And how do you view that more prudent investment looking back now that UCF's former chief rival, USF, is looking at building a stadium for $340 million that could involve the school taking on considerable debt? It's the single most important decision that UCF's athletic department, with the help of the university, ever made. It was a complete game changer. It came when many area leaders and leaders in Tallahassee told UCF, don't do it. Why would you do it? Why would you leave the Citrus Bowl? But uh, President Hitt and the vision of others like Jerry Roth said, no, we're going to go ahead and do this. Made it happen financially. It was a complete game changer. It gave UCF an identity. It brought alumni back to campus that had not been coming back to campus at all. It introduced uh, friends to new friends. It brought generations back together. It allowed people to come on campus and see all the other incredible buildings that were popping up in the different colleges across the campus. It was a complete game changer, giving UCF its own game day environment. Then the stadium delivered. It created its own unique vibe, the bounce house and the noise and the impact the crowd had and some of the big victories early on. And it came as George O'Leary was beginning to build the program. So a complete game changer. The critics of the football stadium then now just end up looking foolish, not of a neighboring school, but others that said, you know, uh, why do it? It became a revenue generator for UCF, an identity for UCF, a meeting place among UCF generations. 
and some pretty good football over the years. So to me, the most significant decision the athletic department ever made was building the on-campus stadium. And mind you, UCF that same year opened its basketball arena. They were the only school in the country to do that, opened a football and a basketball arena in the same year. Well, looking deeper at that UCF-USF rivalry, uh, with UCF now joining the Big 12 and USF remaining in the just-expanded American Athletic Conference, if you look back 15 years ago, where they seem to be on different trajectories. It's interesting. The UCF-South Florida rivalry almost grew by not even playing each other, just the fans going back and forth. UCF had a football program before South Florida did. Uh, when South Florida decided to have a football program, then Coach Mike Cruz kind of wondered, well, why would we play them? There's nothing to gain. And then South Florida comes on the scene, the benefit of where they were, Conference USA, Big East, and they had the advantage. They won the early games in the rivalry. And then there's the whole story about did South Florida block UCF of joining uh, the Big East. But if you go back to the famous 2017 football game, that Black Friday, the incredible uh, win by UCF with the Mike Hughes return for a touchdown, Look at where both programs were at the time. Top 20 programs. South Florida, an excellent football team with Charlie Strong. The difference then is that UCF kept winning. They won 41 games over the course of four seasons, including 2017, uh, 2018, 19, and 20. South Florida went the other way. And UCF couldn't play their way into a bigger league. But the 41 wins over those four years built the resume so that if the opportunity came, and that opportunity came when Oklahoma and Texas went to the SEC, and the Big 12 said, okay, we, we want to expand. UCF put themselves in a prime position to be an ideal candidate while South Florida went the other way, and their lack of success hurt them. Look, I believe if South Florida had the same type of success UCF did from that game in 2017, I believe they both would be in the Big 12. Uh, but they didn't. And I don't know if they'll get that opportunity again, but it clearly changed as UCF had success in football. South Florida went the other way, hence where the two programs are right now. With UCF now being the one that is moving to the Big 12, you've spoken on your radio program about the potential for sports tourism being driven by that, which is especially relevant given, uh, given UCF's pursuit of tourist development tax dollars. What type of events could UCF and Orlando host given the school's new conference affiliation? And can you give a sense of how Big 12 schools travel in relation to visitor attendance? Yeah, excellent question. Let's just stick with football. UCF was in the American for the last decade. It was a great conference for UCF, and they had success. With the exception of South Florida making the short drive from Tampa, there was not an opposing school that sold out their ticket allotment at the bounce house. Every Big 12 school coming to Orlando this year has already sold out their ticket allotment. Uh, the feeling is that UCF may be the most desired football destination in the Big 12. That's not saying that the historic uh, stadiums in Norman, Oklahoma, or in Austin, Texas are not great destinations. But a good chance you're coming to Orlando for a four-day weekend. You'll come down on Thursday, enjoy our theme parks and our restaurants and the beaches left and right. So we already know that that group is coming to Orlando in a greater number than we had in any previous conference UCF was in. The same thing will happen in basketball, where Big 12 fans travel well. Maybe not the same size as football, but I have no doubt that for weekend games that UCF has against Big 12 schools, you'll see fans make that uh, a journey here. The other thing is, in conjunction with the Great Orlando Sports Commission, UCF has a plan in place to work with that group so that as facilities get expanded and built at UCF, to work in partnership to bring those events to the area. You can see a track and field event that brings in a couple hundred athletes, a few thousand fans. Uh, the basketball arena 
being a destination. Volleyball as well uh, for softball. So they want to help the Bay Orlando Sports Commission, which does an amazing job now in bringing in events to offer more venues. And there's a strong partnership that stretches with UCF and everybody else. Right now, there are not enough hotels on the east side of town for thousands of fans. UCF encourages people, go stay on iDrive. Go stay at the wonderful hotels we have down by our theme park. So I think what UCF's vision is with those tourist tax dollars is to say we want to grow our facilities. Yes, UCF teams will use them, but work in partnership with Florida Citrus Sports, like I think you'll see with the Pro Bowl coming back to Orlando, with the Greater Orlando Sports Commission and the list of events they have and the other events that they want to go pursue to say, here are these world-class venues that can help uh, bring those people and those athletes to this area. So I think when people learn that story, it makes a little bit more sense where some just thought UCF's looking for a money grab to expand its football stadium. This goes much more beyond uh, football as UCF views a complete partnership with the leaders all across Central Florida. Well, looking more broadly at that Central Florida picture with several uh, sports-related uh, ventures in the top running for that uh, TDT uh, funding, what's your read on sports tourism in this market more broadly with draws such as the USTA National Campus in Lake Nona and more real estate developments popping up with a sports component being part of their sales pitch? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they think of sports in Central Florida, they think about the Orlando Magic, they think about UCF football and any other teams, they think about Orlando City soccer, and rightfully so. But I think people would be amazed to learn how many events and how many thousands of athletes and parents and families and fans come to the area. Again, the Great Orlando Sports Commission does an amazing job. We have so many youth softball, baseball tournaments, lacrosse and soccer that are played in venues all across the Central Florida area. That's part of the sports community in Central Florida. And I think when you understand that calendar and how many events come here, I think people have a better idea of saying, wow, I didn't realize that. It's easy to get caught up in the pro sports and what UCF offers. But we have tens of thousands of individuals that come to this area that spend a lot of money on hotels and food and our attractions for the many other sporting events that go on. You can have a youth softball and baseball event of ages 9 to 14 that bring 10,000 people here that are spending four or five nights in the area. That's significant money. So the sports scene in the greater Orlando area stretches far beyond just our pro teams and at UCF. And I think people are surprised to realize just how many events come to this area and how many additional events we can get uh, down the line. More NCAA tournaments, not just in basketball, but other sports. More Olympic qualifiers like the marathon that we're having here and events like that bring a lot of tourists to the area. So given that, would you say that uh, Orlando is now already a sports town or is there more that needs to happen for it to become what would be that typical sports destination? Well, look, I think Orlando, to most people outside the area, will always be known as the home of great theme parks. That's okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that benefit uh, from that. I think sports towns, it depends on how you want to compare them. You know, in New York, Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia, have rich traditions of the professional teams over decades and decades and decades. We're still a relatively young sports town. I mean, the Magic are less than 40 years old. So defined by pro teams and major college teams, maybe not compared to some of the markets even within our state, but as far as all the events I talked about before, I mean, I think you would define Orlando as a sports destination. I mean, Wide World of Sports at Disney, again, brings in tens of thousands of individuals. So we have some advantages going for us that many other cities have nothing to compare to with that. So, you know, depending on how you want to compare sports towns, I think we hold our own. It just depends on how you want to compare pro teams to what Orlando has to offer. 
Mark Daniels joining us. Next, his take on chances for Major League Baseball in Orlando. When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cashback energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash bizrebates. With the uh, reporting we've done on the uh, lead up to the TDT decisions, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest pitches was made by the Orlando Dreamers. What reasons do you think that Orlando makes sense or doesn't make sense from a market or sports business sense for Major League Baseball or any other professional league we don't currently have? I think the problem that Orlando has is the perceived negatives of Miami and the Tampa Bay area. And there's a a number of reasons why baseball in our state perhaps has not been as successful at the ballpark. Both the Marlins and Rays do fairly well when it comes to TV ratings. They're middle of the pack. It's just attendance has been challenged for the Marlins, a variety of reasons. Uh, You know, the stadium location is a a big factor there. The Marlins built the stadium where the Panthers play hockey. I think they would have had a better chance of drawing from the Palm Beach and certainly in the Broward area. For the Rays, again, you could live in the North Tampa area. It's hard to justify a drive to get to a 630 game to St. Pete. So I think the stadium locations are reasons why they struggle there. Because of what's happened to those markets, there's going to be a perception, well, why would it work in Orlando? And I can't prove that it would, but ballpark location would go a long way in that. And whether it is something down by SeaWorld or something in an area where there's more population, I don't know. But I love Pat Williams. I respect uh, Pat's passion for baseball. I think he's in a tough spot unless the Rays publicly stated it is our intent to move to a different city. I think we're going to struggle in the efforts to bring Major League Baseball to the area. And yet I think the day that Stu Sternberg, uh, who owns the race, says that, then the real negotiations in the Bay Area will will begin. I think eventually they'll probably end up in Hillsborough County, maybe the Ybor City site. But until he says, I want to talk to Orlando, and I have told Major League Baseball it's my plan to move, I think we're going to struggle in any effort. And what would you say is most interesting to you about the way Orlando's sports media environment has evolved, especially in light of larger trends affecting local media? And are there any places you see opportunity, um, such as, you know, who do you see as doing good work or innovating in a business model sense here? Well, sports media in general certainly challenge right now. The traditions of years past of a newspaper, TV news stations having three, four different sports people in their department are long gone. Some of our local television stations have, uh, for the most part, done away with sports. There are some good quality people that do work at stations in the Orlando market. The Orlando Sentinel has some very talented people that work in their department. That department is much smaller than it was 20, 25 years ago. The radio industry has significantly changed um, as well through the world of consolidation. So I think the sports media here does a good job in covering our teams. I think uh, they're limited by resources and opportunities. I think what we've now seen in recent years is more teams have taken it in-house on how they uh, cover themselves and the content they put out. Sometimes I think that's good, uh, but sometimes it misses accountability. And I think uh, that's struggling in not just sports. I think it's in politics and local government and city issues and things like that. I wish I could tell exactly where the industry is going. I think it's challenged. I think in some ways... The fact that it's wide open with new technologies gives me reason to be optimistic 
about the future. But I also think the athlete and teams have changed. They've limited access now. The athlete doesn't need a member of the media uh, to talk to their fans. Through social media and different platforms, they can do that. Maybe that's good to a degree. But also, I think it lacks the ability of holding teams and players accountable, as I mentioned before. I've done sports radio in Orlando for a long time, since uh, 89, and uh, hope to do it for a while longer. It's different. We do a different show than we used to. The nightly sports coverage at 6 and 11 is different than the way that it used to. The Sentinel sports section is smaller. Uh, there are more people doing blogs. I'm not quite sure how good the traffic is there. Uh, there are more people doing podcasts like this. I think some are successful, some are challenged as well. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see where we go with it. It's a great time for some, I think, for the younger generation that is willing to explore and try new technologies. So maybe they'll be the ones that surprise us and uh, deliver incredible content in years to come. But it's an interesting industry to watch uh, where it's been and where we're going. And just to wrap up, what would you say are some of the biggest uh, sports stories for, say, the Orlando Business Journal to cover as far as draws here and the opportunities to generate revenue for the community? Yeah, I think uh, first the Magic are entering a really interesting time right now. It looks as if after what's been a long decade of rebuilding that maybe maybe there's a corner to turn here. Uh, and maybe the franchise is uh, headed towards more uh, winning ways. So I think it'll be interesting to watch uh, what happens. I think the management and ownership of that team may be interesting to watch. I think you're seeing some of the younger members of the Boss family have a presence around. So I'll be curious about uh, the ownership direction in years to come. The Magic, I guess, are committed to building that entertainment district by uh, the arena, that piece of land that for those of us that have lived here have seen sit vacant for so many years. And I know the Business Journal has covered. I wonder what happens to that and the trickle impact that it has on the other side of I-4. As you guys know, there have been dozens and dozens of plans to kind of revitalize that area. And maybe the success of the magic and building an entertainment complex can help. I think UCF's downtown campus is part of that economy as well. So I think there's some fascinating stories out there. I do think on the UCF side, uh, with the potential of upgrading and building new facilities with the Big 12, more exposure, um, bigger coverage opportunities will be interesting to watch in uh, the years to come. And I do think people like the great talented group at Florida Citrus Sports, the Greater Orlando Sports Commission, I think they see a very interesting decade ahead, um, a chance to bid for and create uh, new projects, new events uh, that, that bring people here, a combination of maybe sports and music and entertainment. So I think it's an exciting time to see what happens, the role of what a Universal and Disney wants to play in projects like this. The great thing is this community continues to grow. It still is a destination for people to come and live. And as you guys know, on any given day, if you count all of our visitors and add them up, then we're a top eight TV market just every day with all the people that are here. So it's a growing community that I think has an interesting sports decade ahead, some great business stories connected to that. So it'll be fun to watch. I agree. That's a great way to wrap up our conversation. I very much appreciate you joining us today, Mark. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.